listening to the North Carolina Food and Beverage Podcast. Thank you for downloading and subscribing. Coming to you virtually live from high atop the historic Raleigh building in beautiful downtown Raleigh. The NCF&B takes the listener behind the scenes to tell the stories of the people that contribute to the creation of the food and beverage community of North Carolina. Our featured spirit of the week, Copper Barrel Distillery, North Wilkesboro, the moonshine capital. Crafting a heritage moonshine remarkably smooth and full-flavored spirit that rivals even the most extraordinary whiskeys. Perfect to enjoy neat and in a wide range of cocktails. Check them out online at copperbarrel.com and on social at Copper Barrel. Brought to you by Key City Spirits. Brand ambassadors providing North Carolina distilleries with marketing, design, and social media services. KeyCitySpirits.com And now, the misfits in the dish pit. The faces of the front. They are Max Trujillo and Matthew Weiss. Hello, and thank you for listening to the North Carolina Food and Beverage Podcast. I am your co-host, Max Trujillo. And I am your co-host, Matthew Weiss. And allez le bleu, allez le femme bleu. Uh, I think that's correct in my, you know, parlance. But uh, we are here in the North Carolina downtown Raleigh studios, but we are here with three wonderful French winemakers who have been brought in by Ms. Deborah Lewis of Vintage 59, and the three winemakers with us from left to right, from Alsace, Ms. Melanie Feaster, and then from Fougere, Ms. Francoise Allier, and um, then to my right, Ms. Francoise Calvez from Chateau Coupe Rose. Welcome, everyone. Hello. 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 You'll get used to everyone's voice as we as we go on. So it's packed in here. We got two times the Francoise as well. That's right. We double times. Yeah. <laughs> um, Deborah, if you could start it off, start it off by just telling us what everyone's doing here and the reason for the gathering. So I work for Vintage Fifty Nine Imports. We import just French wine and work with fifty five to sixty what we call vignerons, which are winemakers who are farmers first. And every year, I do a small tour with some of the winemakers. And this year, I have the three ladies with me, Francois Le Calvez from Chateau Coupe-Rose, Melanie Fister from Alsace, and Francois Allier from Allier Taillefer. And we just are coming to do wine tastings and dinners and events and seminars. And for them to get a taste of different cities in the United States, we'll be in Raleigh, then we fly to Kansas City, and then we fly to Savannah, and that will be our eight days of touring. So there are a lot of cities in this country. Where did Raleigh, Kansas City, and Savannah come into play? How did that happen? I live in Durham, so this is my hometown. Box so check. we get to okay. do that. Uh, it's a great town for us. I do a lot of business in Kansas City. That's one of my states. It's a really great wine town as far as industry knowledge. It's a, great, great, it's a great, great town that way. They do well for us, and they're fun. And then Savannah is always a beautiful place to bring people as far as what the United States has to offer. And it also, for me, is a great little market. Yes. So that's yeah. why we're there. Now, besides the cities you're going to, you're also doing all-female winemakers. So it's the French Female Roadshow? Exactly. Yeah. It's also the Month of Women. Yep. And so it's promoting not just the Year of Women, the Month of Women that way, but to have 
three winemakers who run their own domains, own their own domains, and work that way. There's a lot of great information, and there's a lot of great strength in talking about that. Yeah. Well, let's pass that off to the to the ladies here from France. I wonder how common is it for women to run and own wine uh, wineries in France? It's still not that frequent, actually. Okay, um, so probably common to the way it is here in the United States. Yes, like, yes. Women and women are becoming more uh, owners and winemakers of wineries, but it's still not even close to being equal. No, 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 for sure. Uh, during the studies, uh, we are um, quite quite a number of female uh, studying viticulture, enology, mm-hmm. but taking over estates is still not uh, not very common. Yeah. yeah, let's let's just go around since we have the three of you here, and you all three run your domain in here a little bit from each of you about. Uh, where your domain is, your region, and how you came to be the head of your domain. So that was the voice of Melanie Feaster from the Feaster uh, in Alsace. Uh, So you are eighth generation from your family. So uh, you are in the very north of the Bahrain. And uh, tell us a little bit about your family and exactly how you came to be the head of this domain. Yeah, so the domain Feaster is a... Is a 20, 25 acres domain, so that's pretty small, but that's average in Alsace. And um, so it was, it started in 1780. Okay, so a so, short while ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, my father, uh, my, my parents actually had three daughters. Uh, I have two sisters, and they never forced any of us to take over. And I decided to to switch to viticulture as I was 20 years old. Okay. Um, what were you doing before? Uh, studying biology at okay. u- university. It's not that far away, but it's still not viticulture. And um, and that's why uh, it, you have to do this job by passion. And uh, it's just because of that that I decided to, to make it. And uh, had any other female have ever, ever run the domain in the eight generations before you? No. You're the first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where do and you it fall... Was a, it, it was a great disappointment for my grandfather. <laughs> I'll to have, say. Yeah, <laughs> to have three, three, uh, three daughters that when my father had three daughters. Yeah. He thought it was the end. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> but, well, I'm sure there's some myths in France about, oh, if you eat this before the time of conception, then you will have a son, right? Yeah. It's, like, it's like Game of Thrones. You know, you must have a son. But no. Uh, and where do you fall in the line of your sisters? Are you the oldest? Are you? Uh, I'm in the middle. You're in the middle. Yeah. Okay. And are they involved at all in the winery? Not no? at all. No. Okay. So cool. he took you under your wing and under his wing, like he said, okay, you're going to be, you're going to carry on the lineage of this winery, whether female or not, be damned. <laughs> He's going to, you took over the responsibility of the family and the business. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, of course, my, uh, my father was uh, pretty much convinced that none of us would take over. And, but he, he continued to work uh, with passion, with Envy and and he really liked what he what he what he made and that probably also helped me to to enjoy the job. I didn't see him uh, uh, working working badly in bad conditions or not uh, not enjoying what he was doing. And, and what kind of wine are you producing out there? In Alsace, we mainly have white wines mm-hmm. uh, with ninety percent of whites. Um, and uh, in Alsace, all the styles are possible to to do and we mostly produce dry wines yeah yeah 
People ta- ask me, what is your favorite wine, Max? And I always say, well, it's really hard to say, but if I have to just give you an answer because you're forcing me to, for white wines, I always go to Alsace. That's my favorite, just taking all the wines from there. Sorry, no offense to everybody else. You're a good person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. That, that is the one thing you have been consistent about in the time that I've known you. It's like the one answer that I can always count on you. And I'm a Raiders fan. That's true, too. Yeah. yeah. Outside of, yeah. <laughs> a lot of other things. Max is the, what we call the, the what, what's your sign again? I'm a Libra. Libra, so, so you're, yeah, balanced. Yeah, yeah. Or unbalanced. I don't know what, exactly where. <laughs> but um, I just want to qualify this for a second. Second, because uh, people think, oh, well, Melanie, you were just handed this domain. But uh, 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 she had worked, and people who are wine fans, at a who's who of wineries, uh, having worked and staged at Zin Umbrecht, Mayo Camusé, Cheval Blanc, Chateau Ycam, and even in New Zealand at Craggy Range. So wow. I would say you earned your stripes uh, to take over the domain. Yeah, I was lucky to to learn at, the, at those places. And, uh, of course, it gives you um, good tools. To, to make good wines. They may consider Cheval Blanc kind of like the crown jewel in in France, right, as, as, for, one, for winemaking. Certainly one of them. And Chateau Chem, Sauternes, dessert wine for all of you uh, lays. But uh, I, I can't think of anything else that has more steam in the in that category, right? Like, arguably. I mean, it's 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 a who's who of a, yeah, a very impressive resume. All right, so let's yeah, let's let's move on to the Languedoc and specifically Fougere, this up and coming region. So uh, Francois Ollier, and uh, you took over. I think in two thousand three, you came back to your domain, and yes. and the way your uh, scenario works is that your brother uh, he works as the vigneron, and you work as everything. You basically handle everything else for the domain. Is that accurate? Yes, I, I returned to, to the domain in uh, 2003, and uh, Fougère, it is a, it, a small area uh, in the south of France, and it is a family estate, and uh, we are the fifth generation with my uh, brother, and uh, we have 40 hectares, about uh, 100 uh, acres, and uh, we produce around 140 bottles every year. One hundred forty thousand uh, yes. bottles. Yeah. Yes. 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 And um, we have a schist soil. It is a, she- uh, a soil very poor, and uh, who gives a wine with a lot of um, uh, a lot of flavors and uh, and uh, uh, fine tannins, very smooth, very silky. Uh, with a lot of richness, and uh, my parents start bottling uh, wines in 1976, and uh, we are organics since uh, 2009. Oh, wow. Yeah. Was that intentional? You were striving to get that certification so for your business? Yes, it is very important, and uh, it, I work uh, here since uh, three years now, mm-hmm. and it is the first time for, moi, for me in the North Carolina, and uh, for me it is very important to have organic wines uh, for, the, for, the, for the business. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I have a question. Uh, if somebody never heard of Fougere before, uh, and Deb, you can jump in here if you want, uh, what would be, what we'd say in, in the United States, an elevator pitch on Fougere wines? How would you give somebody like a quick p- picture? For me, Fougere is the smallest appellation in the Languedoc, and it's also the highest. So it sits this little gem on the top 
of, they're not quite mountains, but they're very, very tall hills. And as Francois said, it's schist. So it's rock, 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 rock. Mm -hmm. Everything has to be hand harvested. And they make primarily red wines. So you're coming there to drink red with this tiny little bit of white, which they just started being able to produce. So when you go, you get these, ex you, you want to drink wines from Fougere for that beauty of that red, but their drinkability. And are they, are they like big, unctuous wines? Are they light? Like, what's the flavor profiles of these wines in that area? Um, the flavors, uh, it's Garrigue. Yeah. Uh, in French, we say Garrigue. Uh, a lot of all the, the Mediterranean plants uh, around the vineyard, mm -hmm. uh, it is in the, in the wine, in the yeah. glass. And most planted there is Grenache or Syrah Mourvedre? Alors, the, grape, yeah. the grapes uh, are Grenache, Syrah Mourvedre, Senso for the red wines. Yeah. Uh, and Carignan, of course, mm. it is a typical uh, grapes of the region. And for white, uh, I work with uh, Roussanne and Vermentino, mm. two, uh, two white. You call it Vermentino there, not Roll? Roll. Roll, yeah. yes, it is a Roll. It is okay. the, same, the same grape. Yeah, funny. <laughs> cool. I didn't know that, but that's, uh, yeah, obviously Vermentino is a more Italian indigenous name but, or grape, but... I didn't know that you'd have Vermentino in France, but I guess that's... You see it in uh, Provence in the, in the Sardinia. south. Sardinia. Vermentino you know. come from Sardinia, mm -hmm. and we, we can find in Corsica and in the south of France. Uh, for, in, a, um, for a reference on a map, where what's like, say, one of the larger cities that's close to um, where you're at in the Languedoc? Uh, the place? Yeah. Or Montpellier. At the north of Béziers, between Montpellier and Carcassonne. Ah, yeah, Carcassonne, yeah. Carcassonne. Okay, so it's in the south. It's yes. in, like, near the Provence, but not exactly into it, but but for, to the to the west of Provence. It is, it is south. Are, Are you near the south? You're, you're below the Dordogne? That's not, you're not even there yet? No. You'd still be east of that. Okay. Yeah. Near Spain, as my wife would say. <laughs> exactly. If you're on the Mediterranean, that huge crescent called the Languedoc. Yes. So you go basically from Marseille all the way to the Spanish border. You have that huge crescent and yes. Fougere, and then when we get to Francois, the other Francois, when we get to Minervois, you're looking at probably 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock, if you were in the middle of the Mediterranean looking north. Okay. So Fougere would be yes. at 11 o'clock and Right. You know, so, but these nine, are yes. these are southern French wines. The Mediterranean climate, kind of just giving people kind of a feeling of like what these wines would generally uh, kind of feel like or, or taste like. If you're familiar you with that area, you have the warmth. You have all the sun. You've got ripe, delicious Grenache. You have all these other different grapes. But it's that sense of garrigue. It's all of that laurel and that rosemary and mm. the thyme and mm. the olive. So you always get that sense of that salty tapenade that comes through the wines. There's a lovely um, word that the French use, a, a vin de soif or a vin de sport. <laughs> These are wines that when you're thirsty, you just want to drink them. Yeah. They're, as we like to call... Uh, and we have a lot of freshness, freshness because of the soil, because roots are very deep in the soil, in the schist soil. Yeah. I think just to relate it to people that might be more novice or starting in their drinking career... Uh, you probably well, relate relate these to more to Gigondas, Coderone, mm. Chateauneuf du Pop a little bit, um, but then moving a little bit more sun, essentially. Yeah. 
on, on a very basic level, yeah. So, Francois, please tell us about uh, where you are, where your winery is, and kind of what, how you came to be at your winery. Um, I'm uh, in a small village. What's name is uh, Laconette in Minervois, and um, it's a family history also because it's uh, that uh, the estate is in my family since around uh, 400 years, and um, when I was um, when I started my studies, I'm an engineer, and my father said to me, you have to, you should learn enology because you have to take care of the vines, of the vineyard, and everything. I say, never, never. <laughs> I will never do that. I will never go back to work that, to do that job. And then some years after, I decided, okay, I can, I can go back. I can, I can do, um, I can take care of the, of the vineyard. And um, the first thing I, I did was to change the name because uh, you know it's a very it's very traditional in France to use uh, the family name to it's yeah domain to, uh, to identify and yeah. uh, and uh, it was domain le calves as my family name is uh, le calves and i say to my father and my mother i say I, I don't want to use that name because um i hope one day i will have from um, a husband i will have um, children and i want uh, they are able to recognize and work with me and and a special name because you know it's uh, um, in the family, the weight of the family, the he- the weight of the family when you are uh, growing yeah. and farming vineyard it could be sometimes difficult. So it's much better. It was my opinion at this moment, and yeah. I never changed my mind about that. And the first time I went to see my banker, I said to him I want to invest and need some money. He said to me no. You, why do you do that? You have to. It's better to go to, to do another job because uh, you are a woman. And it was 30, 32, 32 years ago, and we <laughs> were not a lot of women at this moment. We in the longer dog. Yeah, how did your women. wait? So he was saying that you shouldn't inv- that you shouldn't do this job. That somebody yes, else should be doing this yes, job. Wow. Like you are engineer. You are engineer. You can be better. You are, you are. Sil- you have no husband, so you do that. I say. <laughs> Okay, it's not a problem. I will do. <laughs> how was, and I did it. <laughs> how did your mother, and more importantly, your father, take it that you didn't want to carry the name on any longer when you decided to change the name? How did your father react? Ah, it's, they were okay. They were agree, especially my mother, because it's my family's mother. The, the estate is from my family's mother. And um, I chose the, the name is Chateau Couperose. And the name of Couperose, it's a, a traditional name in my family because... Um, 200 years ago, we had um, a fabric of tiles and bricks, and uh, the, the soil used to make uh, the tiles and the bricks was couperose. And my ancestor owned um, a fabric of, uh, and the name of the fabric was couperose. Mm. So my mother was very, um, very um, in charge of the family, of the history of the family. Okay. So it was a matriarchal family to, uh, to begin with. Yes. Yeah. What <laughs> was uh, why? Why did was there a connotation or association that you wanted to get away from from Domaine de Calvez to move on to? To move on Chateau Couperose. Yeah. Why I did it? Yeah. Because it's uh, I I thought it was much better to to have a name, uh, not a family name. Not For a family name. For me, it was name. very yeah. important to know it's uh, it was the first thing. Uh, I thought because I met uh, a lot of um, young uh, women in Champagne. I remember they explained me how difficult it was to to have a 
the family name. What's happening in, a, in the United States, of course, you know, with the movement of women becoming CEOs and empowering and taking over family businesses, uh, I'm wondering, maybe you guys can shed some light on how this is moving forward in France and how are you perceived there now? And I know you said it's still a small percentage, but uh, the fact that you're all here together, you all know each other, Melanie, I know that, you know, and the last time I saw you guys when I was, uh, thank you to Vintage 59 for helping me get to France, um, you had just come back from a conference in Paris about, I think, women in wine. So tell us a little bit about how that, that, that movement is happening, especially compared to what you know about it in the United States. Uh, so, uh, in France, uh, the three of us, we are all members in our home regions of regional associations of women winemakers. Mm -hmm. uh, Les Divines d'Alsace for me, uh, Vinifi for the Françoise. And, um, and actually, now nowadays in France, there are 10, 10 regional associations. There's one in Champagne, one in Bordeaux, and, and so. And the 10 associations are united in, in one national association called Femme de Vin. And uh, in Femme de Vin, we are like uh, 250 members. Oh, wow. So do you, th like, do you know the percentage of women running their domains or women enologists uh, at this point in France? It's really tough to find such numbers because yeah. um, most of the time uh, you have two, uh, you have women and and her husband uh, who are uh, who are head of the estate. So it's it's a it's it's really tricky to find right. Statistics. Like even Francois and her brother, they're still a, a gentleman working there, but at least it's becoming a little bit more uh, broad. True. Pardon the pun. Mm. Uh, I think I think it's you know. Come on. I do have a question though. I wonder if, and this goes out to all the uh, winemakers here, is do you find there to be a stylistic change uh, from, say, like a male point of view of how the wine is going to taste, than say the way the female approach would be? Uh, I see some heads saying no and some heads saying yes. So I'd love to know what what would be – and Melly, we'll start with you just because I'm looking directly at you. You shaked your head. Uh, is there a stylistic difference that you approached because you are who you are as opposed to maybe the rest of your family? I don't think so. Uh, when when we do vertical tasting on my wines and my, my father's wines, uh, I, I I bet nobody would say that's, that's the point where uh, – it's a different winemaker right. because um, that's a lady wine. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no that's impossible. Yeah. Impossible to say. Uh, I didn't have to to make a revolution in style. Um, so in Alsace, some some people had to do a, re a revolution in style because uh, wines were sweet, and mm -hmm. now uh, the younger generation generation want to make a drier style. But I I didn't have to do that because my father used to make dry wines, and um, so it's not a question of of gender, not at all. Uh, it's just yeah. a question of the, the wine we like. Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, I'm agree with uh, Melanie, it's not a problem of the taste of the wine. It's just when you are a woman, you are maybe you are more open mind, we can say. Uh -huh. And uh, that means uh, the weight of the tradition maybe is not so, so heavy, it's not so difficult to support, and you can change if you say, if you decide to change. Uh, Something in uh, the way to cultivate, the way to farm, if you want to, to be organic, if you want to 
cultivate new grape variety or, or to try a new uh, way to vinify, making different tastes of the wine, maybe you can do. I think it's it's maybe easier for us because um, because we are able to 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 say, okay, I'm not agree with that. I want to change. And if I want to change, I, I do it because mm -hmm. I'm able to do that. Are you meaning that maybe because you are technically a different, you know, you're a different sex than a male, maybe if a male heir was to take on what his father had done before, he would feel more uh, compelled. compelled to make it exactly the way daddy did and the way grandfather did. But be, by virtue of you not having a lineage of your mother's doing it, you're just like, I'm yeah. going to do it on my own however I want to do it. Yeah, I, I think it's a, uh, we are... Maybe I think the weight of the the weight of the transmission is not so can be not so heavy yeah. when you are a woman because as first you are a woman and it's uh, quite it was quite difficult to to de to say okay I am the winemaker I am the owner and you know and um, I think it's it's easier sometimes um, I receive many people at home and usually when they speak about wine and they ask. Uh, about the vinification, they were speaking to my husband, but <laughs> oh, yeah. but I was a winemaker. Yeah. To know. What's interesting though about that is, especially with you, is your son is now taking over winemaking, and he's trying to make a lot of changes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he's in the vinification, a lot of changes. Yeah. He want. He did. Uh, he start to do uh, nature wine. That means nature wine is the wine without any sulfites added, without uh, yeast um, added, also. And uh, the, the day he said to me, uh, I want to do that, I said, okay, okay. Maybe you can do that, but you have to do the good one. The most important is to make good one. If you are succeed to make good one, in that way you can do that. And he did it, he tried, he did um, different tests, and it works very well. Uh, and uh, now he's making uh, orange wine, he wants to do biodynamic wine, we are planting a new grape varietal. And so and always he said to me, uh, this morning was calling me to, to say, I want to do that plantation. It's a very uh, unknown great varietal. And so, okay, if you want to do that, yes. And he's uh, with uh, her sister, his sister. And my my daughter is uh, also in charge of the domain. Uh. Yeah. So you're very, you're, your house is very forward thinking and, and you're turning into a lot of modern technique now from what you're saying. I would love to know, because to be honest, I don't know a lot about natural wine. And Matt, maybe you've been, you could even jump in there. I know it's very hipster cool right now to drink <laughs> natural wine. But as Francoise already mentioned, you know, you're without sulfites, uh, what is it, natural inoculations or natural yeasts, you're not putting, you're not adding anything. So are we just grabbing we're basically just grabbing a bunch of grapes from off the ground and just squeezing them and putting them in a jar and walking away. Is that how we're making natural wine? Yeah, if you can resume, we resume that. But it's um, <clears throat> pretty much. Yes, right? uh, you you take the, the the bunches, you put the bunches into the into the tongue, and you you wait until the fermentation starts. But as uh, the fermentation starts, uh, some days it needs uh, more days to, before starting. That means you have to be very careful about. Uh, the the clean and about uh, to control the the fermentation because you ha can have some yeast uh, bad yeast or bad bacteria uh, starting to grow and making transforming the wine into vinegar for example it's a it's a very delicate process and it takes care a lot we need a lot of um, of uh, work to do that so these are open top fermenters I assume you're letting are you letting what's like 
how are we getting the how is the yeast getting into the we, natural yeast getting into the fermenters? we we have we have a natural yeast on the on the on the skin of the berries that's normal we it's all <coughs> always like that you have a natural yeast on the skins and natural bacteria on okay. the skin that's uh, we have that in the vine just what's important is uh, the selection of which first yeast start to work and um, we need a special varietal of yeast starting to work to be sure that the sugar will be transformed into alcohol and without any uh, bad uh, taste or any bad um, other substance. Right, because yeah. anything else in there would would kind of shift it into vinegar, as you're saying, or or just bad wine. But so, what is the what's the the amount of time? Let's say if we just did it the old the old fashioned way, which is kind of probably the more modern way of of adding yeast. Which that would initially like immediately start inoculating the wine and, and fermenting the wine, uh, as opposed to doing it naturally. What's the time variance? Um, when you add, um, when you inoculate yeast, uh, the fermentation starts after um, tw- twelve hours, for example. That means that you are sure that the yeast you are starting to work is the, the yeast you are selected, and that is very important because what you want to do is to make good wine. Right. That's all. You don't. You don't care if the wine is nature or not nature sometimes, but it's the most important is to have good wine. That's because when you are making bad wine, who wants to drink bad wine? Well, so that's <laughs> the question then. So <laughs> is making, and this goes to all three of you, is making natural wine making better wine? No, it's different taste. It's just different tasting. It's different taste. It's not better. It's different taste, different way to sing, different way to, to, to imagine. It's also, you know, the word of the wine is a wonderful word because it's a, a very large word of the mm-hmm. wine and you can find uh, so many interesting wines that, and, you, and it's um, another way to discover this word. It's interesting. Yeah, I, you got to go to your local wineries. Ask about natural wine. There's, there's something going on there. There's a, a whole lot more natural wine happening. Max. You know, that's a great segue, Max, uh, <laughs> where you could probably get a couple of bottles of natural wine at the Triangle Wine Company. Yeah. And actually, they have finally opened in Holly Springs. Thank you, Chris finally. and Glenn, for opening up in my backyard. But uh, the Triangle Wine Company is a great sponsor of our show. They have four locations where you can get great wine, beer, and natural other beverages. Wine. Some natural wine, I'm sure. You could talk to Glenn about that, I'm sure. Uh, they're in Southern Pines, Morrisville, Cary, and now Holly Springs. You can also go and use the Triangle Wine Company. Uh, you can go trianglewineco.com and use the NCFNB promo code for a nice discount. NCFB promo code. What did I say? Just say it one more time and I'll cut. Just You said F and B, but that's not. Oh, yeah. And you can go online to the trianglewineco.com. Use the NCFB promo code for a beautiful discount. <laughs> uh, by the way, just talking about patriarchal versus matriarchal societies, I love when old men make really stupid rules to keep women away from doing jobs. And I always go back to this one that I, I read about. It's a real thing from Japan, one of the greatest patriarchal countries of all time. Japanese chefs would not let female chefs be, or would not let females be sushi chefs. You want to know why? Because they said that women's blood runs hotter than men's blood, and by virtue of women touching the raw fish, they were cooking the fish (laughs) while holding it. That is a real thing. I've heard it not from one or two different random sushi chefs. They're like, men have to be sushi chefs. It's biological. 
It's like listening to Ron Burgundy talk about why women shouldn't be uh, broadcast journalists. But it's 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 crazy, and it always love. I love how it always fits the narrative to oh, but by virtue, of course, men need to do this job. Clearly, it's just trying to keep job security for them and their sons. But I but I appreciate that you all have pushed forward, and now it's maybe not a qualifier that you're a female winemaker. You're just a winemaker. Yeah. Like, it's not a big deal. What What do you think, Deb? Because you see it over there. You're going to France at least once a year, and you see also in the States uh, female winemakers. Do you think that, that it is a big deal, or you think it's just a natural course of things and how, it, how it's happening in the world globally? I think like anything, there's an acceptance that happens, and the more people that you see and the more that you see women who are confident, and who are doing the same job that men had and the same wine that you're drinking, which is delicious, Mm -hmm. which sells, everybody knows what they're doing. It just becomes more common as you see the faces that keep changing and the openness to have the generational transformation go from one daughter who becomes the mother who then begins to pass it down. And so the lineage where we always thought it was men now becomes much more natural that the daughters are doing that. And the same way that the daughters are encouraged to go to viticulture and enological school Mm. and to just have that same education to be able to do both ways. And the respect, I think, is still is is continually being paid. And it's just accepted. You don't have to question it so much anymore. As an onlooker, that's what I think. I'm sure you're questioned all the time or often still going to the bank and still wanting to do things. To prove yourself, I think we always have to work three times harder and faster mm. to do the same job. But Yeah, but that question that Francoise Calvez got from the banker probably still happens, but less and less today, I would think. <laughs> um, okay, two things. I want to. I just want to put a bow, and if you, any of you have other uh, statements that you want to make about the natural wine, but I just will say as an umbrella that uh, natural wine does not necessarily mean it's better wine. The idea in making wine, I think, is that we want to drink a wine that's delicious, as uh, Paul Greco, the famed uh, Gramercy Tavern, and has terroir and hearth in New York City, always said, wine needs a yumminess. Um, so whether it's natural wine that you get there or you are doing some winemaking techniques, you know, I think... Who cares? As long as it's delicious and it's not hurting the earth and and, and these types of things. But um, the other thing I think that all winemakers, especially you guys, uh, embody is trying to make the wine that that embodies, to use that word again, the spirit of your terroir of your region. And then Francois uh, Calvez, it's two part with you because we actually never talked about the wines of Minervois and what they would be like. So I want to swing back around the room, starting with Francois of Chateau Coupe Rose. Um, talk about the wines of your region, what they are, what what they are meant to taste like, what grapes you grow, and then also for all of you, what types of foods do you see pairing with the wines of your region that come out of your region? Mm. We are um, <laughs> Minervois. It's um, like an amphitheater, just. Uh, um, the back on the mountain and the, f- the front of the of the Mediterranean Sea, and we are the one of the not one, but we are the um, highest village in the area Minervois, and the vineyard is between uh, 450 meters to 250 meters, which is quite high in um, in Languedoc, and we are the last village um, producing wine, cultivating vines. Because after the climate is too, 
Too warm. Too cold. Oh, too cold. Too cold, yes. And uh, the main characteristic of uh, the place uh, we are uh, is um, acidity with freshness because of the, the difference of temperature between night and days. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have uh, usually um, taste of um, garrigue also. Yeah. With, uh, that means uh, all the wild grass growing uh, naturally in, in the envi environment. And uh, the tannins are quite firm. We have um, fine tannins and not strong, just uh, well balanced with the, with the, with the wine. It's a good, good balance between everything. And we use uh, different grape varieties, all very traditional as Syrah, Grenache, Carignan, Mourvedre, for the red variety. Picpoul Noir, for example, mm -hmm. also we, we planted uh, um, it's Peak quite Pool Noir, yeah. Yes, and, and very interesting grapes, very interesting wine. And uh, for the white, uh, we discover that uh, we have uh, we are uh, we have a very good region to make a very good place for to produce uh, white wines. You know, Minervois is uh, the white in Minervois is two percent, two percent of the appellation in my estate. We have more actually more than ten percent, and we are planting more whites because as a the, f the freshness is very interesting. We have a lot of minerality and and uh, fruity and flower flower taste. Mm -hmm. And we have different grapes as um, <coughs> Grenache Blanc, Viognier, Marsan, Roussan. And we are planting Claret, <coughs> Vermentino, Roll. Different, uh, we yeah. try different grapes. So I'm sure for people listening, they're saying, oh, well, that sounds very similar to Fougere. But mm -hmm. Francoise Allier, one of the things you mentioned is the schist in Fougere. And in Minervois, you have soils that are quite different, yeah? Yes, we have uh, mostly it's uh, clay and limestone. And clay and limestone, and, and yeah. Very, very stony. And, you know, I have a very good friend, which is Claude Bourguignon. It's a very nice and very very good man uh, making research about the terroir and about the soil. And um, I met him some long time ago, and he explained me the effect of the terroir. And we said, when you speak about terroir, we have different terroir. We are three winemakers around the table. And even, for example, with Francoise, we have the same grape varietal. Our terroir is totally different. Right. Mm -hmm. That means uh, what is the terroir effect is... Uh, the composition of the soil and the subsoil, the mineral we have in the in our place, it's very special and unique from that soil. And the, all the work we do, Francois work in the same way. We do organic. We that means we don't put uh, any chemical fertilizer, for example. Just we improve the activity of the soil. We improve the, the micro microbial activity, mm -hmm. uh, giving a, a more mineral uh, free for for the root, because, you know, the, the plant doesn't eat any food, doesn't eat a protein or lipid or things like that, just water and single minerals. That means that the, these minerals are making uh, available by the microbes and the worms and the bacteria. They are, it's, they are uh, free and available for the roots, and the roots take them through the sap, takes uh, this mineral and gives the uh, minerals going to the grapes and the bunches, and then you have a different taste because a taste is made with a different, uh, it's a, uh, a chemical molecule, mm -hmm. and the chemical molecule will be different according to the mineral you will have. Yeah, from, from ground to glass. 
Exactly. Yes. So speak, speaking of taste, uh, so what can we expect to eat if we are uh, if we come to Chateau Coupereau's and uh, somebody is cooking a, a, a feast? What would we uh, look to eat with your wines and, and regionally specific? Yeah, what's on the menu? <laughs> I would love to tell you a cassoulet, but no. <laughs> no? <laughs> That's <Okay>. a legend. <laughs> Uh, we don't do that. Uh, we sometimes we can do, but it's not uh, what uh, we used to to eat. No, we eat uh, a lot of uh, different vegetables, and maybe what is different for your your cook is uh, the way to prepare. Maybe we are we do a lot by steam, a lot of vegetable by steam, and we do a lot of of grill. We barbecue. Many we have a lot of lamb because of the place where we are. Uh, we have uh, they grow you people grow lamb. We eat a lot of lamb and some pork, but not too much. And usually, so grilled I, I would, lamb, I, grilled I, I vegetables yes, sounds excellent. Steamed vegetables some, sounds very California-like to me. Yeah. Lamb, cutlet lamb, yeah, with um, <laughs> some uh, tomatoes or eggplant. It's mm-hmm. good. Sounds good. Yeah, sounds healthy. France, yes, as we as we continue on. So, what about you, Francois? What, what, what kind of food do are we doing with your region? That kind of gives a good idea of like the the wine. We've read we've read wines. I love uh, la- lambs, uh, uh, red meats, of course, uh, and with uh, with white, uh, all green fish and uh, cheese. I love cheese with mm, uh, mm-hmm. with allegro uh, with the white, uh, white. It is a, a blend of Roussan and Vermentino, and with a low acidity but a lot of minerality. Yeah, and it is very very nice with cheese. Any specific type of cheese, or is there a specific cheese to your region? Goat cheese. Goat cheese, yeah. Perhaps. Okay. It's very nice. But it's a different goat cheese than you would get in the Loire Valley, right? I mean, it's... Yes, fresh goat cheese. Okay. Yes. But um, uh, it is very nice also with um, Conti. Okay. Um, Conti, yes. This. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, and lastly, just because we're getting close to the end here, uh, Melody, would you tell us a little bit over Alsace, completely different uh, region, of course, and it's much cooler there. And I don't know about you, Deborah, you'd mentioned that uh, uh, the regions that you're at, you were, Francois, you were up on a top of a, a, a tall hill, but how does that range to Alsace, which I know is a very mountainous area? So elevation-wise, are you significantly higher or... We are like 240 meters uh, high. So What's a all, meter? Uh, I'm just what? kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, all the other vineyard is along the Vosges Mountains, and the soils are really different from one place to the other. Yes. I'm in the top north on limestone, uh, very pure limestone, subsoil, and that gives very m- a mineral taste to all the wines we, we craft. And... Uh, and so what we eat in Alsace, Alsace has a strong German influence. Uh, we, ha- we eat a lot of pork. Lamb is not a traditional thing mm-hmm. here. Um, and uh, all the wines based on freshness, on acidity, just cut the uh, kind of fatness of, of the pork. And our main dishes are choucroute, sauerkraut, um, becker of uh, things where we where you need freshness and dry riesling um, mineral wines, and they make also um, like the pork into all different types of sausages, right? Yeah, that, that yeah, really yeah. pair well with the wines. And then there's a I can I can't remember the name of it, but there's 
it's almost like a pizza. Like there's an Alsatian style bread yeah. that you do. It's uh, what we call a flammekuche. Ah, okay. Tarte flambée. Tarte flambée. Yeah. That's what I was. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. And what traditionally goes on that? Um, light, light white, yeah. like a Pinot Blanc or um, light red mm-hmm. Pinot Noir that we have. <clears throat> Sounds awesome. Sounds amazing. Yeah. We got to book our trip again. So yeah. I was in France for 30 days last summer in June with the family. And Matt, you just got back. You were there for 10, 12 days, something like 10 that. 10 days in February, yeah. Yeah. France. Yeah. It's, what's on the, it's, it's what's for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you all for being here. This was uh, so educational. And thank you for being such strong female personalities. I, I should just say just strong personalities, great winemakers, and pushing this forward. And thank you for coming to North Carolina. So for all of you out there, uh, search these wines, Chateau Coupe Rose, Ollier Taillefer, and Domaine Feaster. You will drink very merrily. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the North Carolina Food and Beverage Podcast. By rating us online, you're helping others to discover our show. The magic of SEO puts the ice in our shaker. Follow us on all platforms at NCFBPod.